People, get ready to explore in a way you never have before with the Defender 110. This iconic vehicle has been redefined with thoroughly modern design, a reimagined exterior, a robust interior, a superior off-road capability. The Defender 110 lets you go further and do more. It has powerful innovations like intuitive driver display. Whether you're headed to uncharted territory or just a weekend of exploration, the Defender 110 is up to the challenge. Push what's possible with a vehicle made to go further. The Defender 110. Learn more at LandRoverUSA.com forward slash Defender. Hey, look, I'm sure you take a lot of vitamins. Maybe you take a daily multivitamin. Maybe you take ones to boost your immunity or ones to help with alertness. What about your cells? Are you giving your cells the full nutrition they need, especially as we age? I am, thanks to Solgar. Solgar is part of my daily routine, thanks to their cellular nutrition line. Give yourself a daily collection of nutrients designed to help fight cellular decline and promote cell health. Visit CellularNutrition.Solgar.com to learn more and use promo code MarkMarin, all one word, to get 20% off. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fuck, Nicks? What is happening? What is happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast, WTF. I've been up since 5.30. Why? Why? I do not know how to live the life of leisure. I'm not sure I have that life, but I could certainly sleep till 8 if I could sleep till 8. I get up. I don't know why I get up. Today, I had to do some stuff. It's fine. Uh, and I've said this before, but I guess as you get older, you need less sleep. And that, to me, is one of the only bit of possible evidence that there may be a, a bigger force within our life, a God, if you will. I think that, or maybe it's just wired in, but I, I think it's it's sensitive in a way that would imply a higher intelligence, that the reason that when you get older, you need less sleep is that it's basically God saying, you, you might want to be awake for this. You don't have that much time left. And the reason I attribute that to a higher intelligence, because why would that necessarily be wired into our genetic composition. I, I don't know if it gets as much as uh, as an animal, just on a survival. Well, maybe. Maybe they're like, you might want to get up earlier so you don't miss the food. You're old. Get up earlier. There, there's not going to be food for everybody. And you certainly can't go out there and get the food. So you might want to you know, be there looking sad and old when the food arrives. Look. Today on the show, I have uh, Bobby Farrelly on. He's the uh, he's one half of the Farrelly brothers, the writers and directors of Dumb and Dumber, Kingpin. There's something about Mary. He's the solo director on the new movie Champions, starring Woody Harrelson, which I saw. They use a lot of uh, actual mentally uh, or or uh, how do you say intellectually disabled people mentally disabled people, uh, or do you just say disabled people, uh, cognitively? I, I don't, I'll ask him. I, I should know these things. We should get new lists. Please, uh, circulate the new lists of the proper way to address certain groups of people. I, uh, I enjoyed talking to him. I, I enjoyed the movie. 
it's interesting because it's one of those movies that the story you, you're familiar with, but the performances by this group, this ensemble, are kind of uh, astounding. And, and Woody Harrelson, always good, that guy. It, always good, Woody Harrelson is. Like every goddamn time, no matter what he's fucking doing. I feel like I should have him back in here to talk to him again because it was a little weird the last time, but I don't know that it would be any different this time. But he certainly is sort of a gifted actor. I feel like I just saw him in something else too. What the fuck did I just see him in where he didn't have a a huge part? Oh yeah, Triangle of Sadness. That movie's a lot. I have no idea what's going to win anything. Uh, I, I would like to tell you, though, that there's going to be a whole bunch of Oscar-related bonus content. I can tell you that right now. Brendan and I did a whole lot of Oscar-related bonus content. We talked about best pictures. We talked about the nature of the Oscars. We talked about a lot of stuff. So you can get, uh, you can get all that if you sign up uh, for the full Marin. And to do that, you just click on the link in the episode description or go to WTFpod.com and click on WTF Plus. But we get into it. It's interesting. When, when Brendan and I talk movies, You, uh, we talk movies. I forget sometimes what a film nerd. But, like, I never, I never like to call myself a nerd of any kind. There's the basic idea of nerdism, I think, is a sort of completest, compulsive focus bordering on obsession with one particular thing. Like if you're a nerd for something. I mean, it can be a spectrum of, of stuff, I think, like a fantasy or movies or, or there's, there's spectrums and there's, but there's mostly specific attention being paid. And the reason I can't be a full nerd almost ever is because I have the initial impulse we're sort of like, well, I have to know everything or, or, or own all of these or really understand this stuff. And I will acquire a lot of stuff, but then I just don't have the follow through. So I have, you know, the, I have the, the, the stuff one needs of any particular focus, like a music group or a series of movies. But a lot of times I just don't, uh, I don't listen to them or watch them all, but I have them. But I think you really, to be full nerd, you have to have a fairly nuanced understanding of the trivia around your particular focus, the facts around your particular focus, the quality around your particular focus, and and an opinion about it. You have to be in the game with the conversation around whatever you're nerding out to, uh, whatever your nerd focus is. And I, I don't have that. I have, a, I, I have a bigger palette. You know, a little here, a little there. I can talk some shit about a lot of different stuff. I can talk a little bit of shit about a lot of different stuff. And I can get pretty deep with some of it. But film, film nerd, to me now, it just, it's too big. I, I just, you know, I'm, I'm a lightweight. I'm a lightweight record guy. I'm a lightweight film nerd. I'm a lightweight jazz guy. But I don't know who I'm judging myself against. When you make these decisions about yourself, which we all do, like... Yeah, but I'm not that, I'm not, I'm not that good or I'm not, you know, really, I don't, well, I mean, there's, there's definitely other people that do this or that or know more of this or that or, or other people that are just better than me. They're just better than me. 
All right? That's all. They're just better than me. All right? Is that what you want to hear? Do you do that to yourself? Do you scream that at yourself? What the fuck is that? I mean, I'm sitting around comparing myself to nine-year-olds who play one riff on the guitar like they're a goddamn performing monkey. And I'm like, what What am I even doing with a guitar if that nine-year-old can do uh, Roundabout by Yes? No, I don't have any desire to play Roundabout. But Jesus Christ, I've never, I'm not a savant. How? And you can't regret that you're not a savant or you're not a, a, a prodigy. You can't regret that. Like, you know, I would have been better if I was just born with this weird gift. A weird gift can be a burden. Talent in and of itself can be a burden. I want to remind you uh, again, you have one week before I talk to director Jason Wollner about his show, Paul T. Goldman. And we won't hold back on spoilers. So if you want to watch Paul T. Goldman, it's streaming on Peacock. That's not a Peacock plug. But and also Paul T. Goldman is a challenging bit of business. It is a challenging bit of comedy. It is a cringe fest in a lot of ways. I'm going to sneeze. Should I share it with you? Oh, my God. You know, when you just let them. When you just let them go and you just let them spray, you watch the fine mist and there's no one around. What, what, a, what a beautiful thing. Oh, my God. Let's just all enjoy that for a second. Wow. That was spectacular. Um, also, I just found out there's a surprise Brian Jones cat mug sale going on today, March 9th at noon Eastern. If you've always wanted to get your hands on one of the cat mugs I, uh, that I give to guests, go to WTFmugs.co. That's at noon Eastern today. So who am I judging myself against? My point being about being a film nerd or whatever, I was out in New Mexico seeing my dad and I was hanging out with my buddy Devin Jackson and hanging out with my buddy David Kleinfeld. But me and Devin, we kind of thought of ourselves as somewhat smarty pants. When we were in high school, <laughs> smarty pants, we just had lofty interests, you know. I was working at a bagel joint across from the university. I was hanging out with university people. I was hanging out at the Living Batch bookstore. I was hanging out at Frontier Restaurant with all the, the wackos and the professors. And, you know, we were, I would say at the time, 1980, we were fairly advanced teenagers going to Don Poncho's uh, revival movie theater, seeing the double features, getting excited you know, about Apocalypse Now coming out and that kind of stuff. And we talked about movies all the time. And it was funny, when I I was hanging out with him, uh, we got right back into it. It's right there, this sort of deeper interest. You're doing the reading. There was a time, I mean, I studied film criticism in college as an art history minor. Uh, You know, film studies. It was important to me. I've got to make things important again. God damn it. I, what's the point of doing anything if someone else is doing it better than me? Shut up. Shut up. I'll tell you what I'm really excited about. I got to go rehearse. Because tonight, 
I'm playing at Largo with the band. Do you want the set list? Should I give you the set list? Okay. I got to be honest with you. We're going to take on one of these sort of, not esoteric to a certain group of people, but certainly one of the more esoteric to the mainstream outside of the uh, Grateful Dead circle. We're going to, we're going to, we're taking on Warfrat, which is really, I would say my top Grateful Dead song. It just kills me. And we're going to play it. Taking the risk, stepping out there on the ice. Not an easy, not an easy song, but if you get into the groove, you get into a psychedelic trip, nice. We're going to do Say Say It's Not You by George Jones. We're going to do uh, Blue Eyes Crying in the Rain by Willie Nelson. We're going to do uh, Ring of Fire by Johnny Cash. A lot of country this time. We're also going to revisit uh, What Goes On uh, by The Velvet Underground. And I believe we're going to do uh, a version of Hey Joe. So that's the mix, man. That's where we're at with it. Maybe we'll do a blues jam. I don't know. But what I was going to tell you about is, and this is kind of a long tease, probably a couple weeks away. I'm not sure when. This month, though, uh, I got to interview uh, Brooke Shields in a couple of days, and I watched uh, the documentary, and it was just great. And it was so weird because, you know, when I saw her and met her, she came to see the taping of my comedy special, and I saw her at a screening for two less I was like, oh my God, Brooke Shields, what is happening? Because I felt like I knew her my whole life. And after watching this documentary, I told her that too. And after watching the documentary, I don't know, I felt bad for telling her that because that's what everybody feels about her when you're a public personality like that through your whole life. But I think she defined some things in my head about a lot of different things. I mean, my second wife was a, a model before she was a comic, and I thought she kind of looked like Brooke Shields, and I got a whole new understanding of that particular industry and just how horrendous it was. But I don't know. I really enjoyed the doc, and I'm a little beside myself that I'm going to talk to her. Is that weird? It's true. But that being said... I should go. I, I didn't manage my time well today. I hope you guys are well. And uh, don't judge yourself against anybody but you and what you do. Just acknowledge it. Try to appreciate it. Don't diminish everything. Don't diminish everything. You're doing okay. You hear me? You're doing all right. It's good. It's good. If you want to get better, you get better. All right? If you want to work on it, you work on it. But stop beating the shit out of yourself. I'm just telling myself that. Bobby Farrelly has a new movie that he directed called Champions. It opens in theaters tomorrow, March 10th. And this is uh, the two of us talking. You know, I got a lot of interviews this week. Today, I'm going to talk to Michelle Yeoh later. Wow. You, you mean later today? Today, yeah. Oh, jeez. So, yeah. I'm so glad I'm, I went first. <laughs> you wouldn't, wouldn't even be listening to me. <laughs> she's that a tough is, act to follow. That is not true. We did, Do you know that for a fact? <laughs> Have you talked to her? Well, she's a lot prettier than I am. Yes. Let's put it that way. 
Yeah, totally different background. I imagine, you know, her stories about Malaysia are going to be different than yours about Providence. That's true. (laughs) So we'll both be bullshitting, so we'll have that similarity. But is that where you're from? Uh, We are from a a town just outside of Providence called Cumberland. Cumberland. Cumberland, Rhode Island, yes. Look, dude, I've Very been suburban. I've been, uh, you know, I started doing comedy in Boston. So, like, you've worked with guys that I knew when I was first starting out. Well, there was a time there when we were growing up and when we were young uh, adults that, yeah, the comedy scene in Boston, as you know, was just incredible. Do you remember Periwinkles in Devil Square? I do. Yeah, I performed there. Yeah, yeah. But I just, I was thinking about it today because my car got stolen when I was working there. <laughs> In Providence, and, <laughs> and that club had the, all the paintings of the guys on the wall, and there was always one guy who was like, who the fuck is that guy? Like, there was paintings of comics, you know, the uh, old comics. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that. Not I a, don't remember that part. Not a bad club. No. But, so, but no. how many, wait, you come from a big family? Five of us. Mm. I lost a sister already, so uh, there's only four now, but yeah, there's yeah. five of us. We had uh, three three sisters, uh, three girls, and uh, my brother Pete and myself. Yeah. We're all very close. So I think five over, you know, seven and a half years. Yeah. And you, and wait, how, how much older are you than me? What, how old are you? I am uh, 50, 14. Yeah. 50, 14. What is that? You can add it up. I'm 64. Oh, I get it. I see. <laughs> I just don't like putting the six in front, you know. It sounds so old. <laughs> I'm 59. <laughs> 59. So, but, still, but still, though, like you're coming up then because I remember in the first movies and early on, you got you got Kenny Rogerson in there. Yep. You got uh, Jackie Flynn in there. Jackie Flynn's been in a bunch of them. Yep. All the Lenny Clarks, Steve Lenny Sweeney, Sean Gavin. Gavin. Yep. All those guys, those are the guys. Cause Dave I, Russo. I mean, yeah, tons of them. I, well, yeah, man. I mean, I, I came in second in the Comedy Riot in 1988. The Comedy that, Riot? Well, WBCN Comedy Riot. Okay. 1988. And that's when I started working. So I'm working with all those guys, and I'm, you know, they're, this, they're, the, they're the, the core crew. You know, Dennis Leary, yep. Mike McDonald, George McDonald, Warren McDonald, all the McDonalds. <laughs> Ronald McDonald. <laughs> But you know, old I knew Mac- all this. Old guys. McDonald. But you, but you guys were like when you were growing up. Were you big? Were you big comedy fans? We were comedy fans. We, were, you know, Peter and I. None of us did stand up or right. thought about doing yeah. it. But we loved. We loved going to see shows, and you know, we loved to laugh. So it was, it was. Yeah, that was our. That was our thing. If we were gonna go to a movie, we'd go to a comedy. Yeah. We we're gonna go out. See, see entertainment. We go to a stand-up show. But what, like, how? What, what kind of world was it when you grew up? What, what was your uh, your father? What did he do? My dad, God bless him, uh, uh, was a doctor. Oh, okay. he, had, he had a he was a family doctor in a small town of Cumberland. It was very uh, suburban, and uh-huh. uh, he was that guy. He he took care of all the families in town, or many of them, and delivered a lot of babies. Nice to have a, do- a dad as a doctor, because like he can always you can always see a doctor when your dad's a doctor. Well, that's true, but yeah. do you know how hard it was for us to uh, fake like we were sick and oh, get out of right. school? <laughs> The, I don't feel good. The, Go to school. That's he, he the knew one exactly obstacle. when we're fake. But if you needed, <laughs> if you needed something to get looked at, he could call his friend, right? That's true. And you it, just go because my dad was a doctor too, but he wasn't general practitioner, orthopedic. So unless I was, oh really? Yeah. Okay. So unless I had broken bones, he wasn't going to help. But you could always see somebody right away. Well, in my dad's doctor's office, yeah. there was a there was a dentist right next door, and he yeah he'd say you guys go see him. So you know oh, yeah. they'd take care of each sure, other. Sure, exactly. Before insurance and all exactly. that, I wouldn't even you know I don't think he was sending him a bill. Right, but 
uh, the downside is he was hurrying through everything. It's just like, all right, I, you know, I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I'm helping your dad out. You don't need that tooth. <laughs> well, that's, uh, that's I had Irish teeth too uh, as a as a kid. Oh, uh, did they go away? Let me well, see. Well, they they my teeth were my teeth. Uh, yeah, I could have used. Oh, a yeah, that's good. Ortho- Dentist work, yeah, but, that's uh, some, those are some they were, they were good prone to cavities as a kid. Yeah, and, and I remember one time. This is I'm not proud of this, by yeah, the way, but yeah. I'm going to tell you. I went to the dentist, and uh, in one visit, yeah, one visit, I was uh, he, he he spotted 14 cavities. Oh my God, 14. So he, and that's when they were putting you know the the, the, the fillings mercury in, the mercury, in. yeah, <laughs> the gold. You know, he'd drill in and then fill it up with mercury. So and, you yeah. got a mouthful of gold. Uh, I, I had it later on. I had to go and have it all, they all, all taken out. Yeah. So because it was it was uh, b- going into your blood, right? I you was, had to get I was that. starting to act nutty, and they didn't know what it was. It come to find out, it was yeah. the mercury in my teeth. <laughs> Is that true? Were there <laughs> <No>. symptoms? <laughs> but no, uh, he just told me I, I better take them out. It's not, oh my not god! Good. Well, that I mean, I just remember that. Like, I it, t- it it took me a while to realize that you can't just see a doctor whenever you want. That's that's true. You know, because when you grow up with that shit, you know, so like, I think I got this dad. Like, all right, let me call Bob. We'll go over there. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. It was always like that. My my uh, my dad, his specialty was that he could he could diagnose mm. he could diagnose you over the phone. All you had to say was, you know, I got this. So how's your back? Ah, oh, back's a little. <laughs> you got to run a fever? No, you have this, and he'd tell you, and that's exactly what you had. <laughs> yeah, he knew it, huh? <laughs> yes. Yeah. So when you guys are, none of your sisters were in show business? Uh, I have a sister, my, my youngest sister, Cindy, is a, uh, she came out uh, out to L.A. after Pete and I did, and she uh, is an attorney, entertainment attorney. Oh, really? Yes. So she's our entertainment attorney. So she's in the business, too. In the Farrelly business. Yeah, but she has tons of other oh, good, good clients too. Yeah, she yeah. got some Saturday Night Live characters, uh, but you know, and yeah, uh, she got a good good list of clients. Okay, and and when you guys are coming up, I mean, like, because Providence is a rough town. It was, but you're not right there. You you're not living in Providence. Uh, we didn't live in the city of yeah. Providence, no. But Providence is is you know, at, when we were growing up, it was very much a a mob town, yeah, it was a mafia sure. town, and uh, it was good, you know. It was good and bad because of that. Uh, you know, it was organized crime. You know, yeah. you know what's always really worse than organized crime? Yeah. 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 Disorganized crime. <laughs> yeah. That's what happens when you take the mob away. Yeah, now yeah. it's just, uh, you know. Chaos. Yeah. But before that, it's like, yeah, you know, it was it was organized. It, 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 they, it ran. It was, the whole city was run by mobsters and the and the people they put into office but uh but this is the it italian was, there mob, was a method right? to the madness not not yes, not the a, irish mob no it was the italian mob right the irish mob was over in in, uh, in boston, in boston yeah yeah because i remember that well yeah my grandmother once said when we were in vegas when i was a kid uh we used to meet him in vegas uh when i lived in new mexico they're from jersey but she said uh, about vegas she says you know it was nicer when the boys ran things yeah, you know it's funny. Yeah. It's, it's funny because it's true. It, yeah. it, there's there is something to, to it. Yeah, like it, it like I said, there was a method to the madness. And Do you remember it though? Did you have experiences with with no like? Because usually when you live or you, you're you're a kid or you're a teenager, you're going into Providence to party or go to a place. You, everyone kind of knows like, well, that's where that mobster hangs out, or this is that oh, the restaurant. Yeah, that that mobster would be right there. Someone would say, see that guy over there? Yeah, he's you know, and he was. Yeah, a hitman or, yeah. or something or other. Yeah. But it's a it was a very 
it's a very small state. I don't know if you've heard. I do uh, know that. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's right up there with the smallest in the country. I did a, a gig once at the Cranston Bowl. Did in, you? Quit in, bragging. Yeah, at in Cranston, Rhode Island, they had a comedy night. Uh huh. And then there was another weird play. I did a show in Melody, Rhode Island. Do you even know where that is? That's is that way down uh, yeah, toward Connecticut? Yeah, 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 dude. Yeah, way yeah. down. We in, did the in one night in, in in Rhode Island. It's one hour. Yeah, it's one hour from end to end. That's right. Yeah, you know, but uh, it is sort of off the beaten path. But yeah. so you're growing up in that. But what are you guys? Uh, you going up to Boston a lot? Where you where you getting sort of like the ideas to maybe do movies? Uh, or do, I, the the ideas that we ended up getting to to do movies was totally just the the stories that we grew up with, the people around us, the characters. We always love characters, and that's you know that's the beauty of Rhode Island is it is marinating with characters. Yeah, it, it, there's just people that are. Uh, just a little bit out there. Uh, yeah, there's tons of them, and and for some reason or another, Pete and I were always drawn to those people. They just amused us, and we just love stories. You know, what's we'll, the what's the age difference? He's one year older. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's a, a year and a half, uh, eighteen months to the day older. But did you me. study film? Did you go out? No. And- you never did. No. Where'd you go to college? I went to uh, Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute in upstate New York. Yeah, it's an engineering school. Uh, the reason why I went there is I was a hockey player, and uh, they have a good hockey team, and I got recruited there. Yeah. And so I went there, and I didn't know what to study. I studied, I was going, I don't know, how about this, how about that? I ended up st- uh, majoring in geology. Yeah. Geology. Yeah. Never used it one day in my life. I got Nothing? a degree. Can you yeah. identify a rock? Uh, I know a couple of, uh, you know what, when when it's, when the category's on Jeopardy, I can... <laughs> I can occasionally get the answer right. Yeah. That's plate tectonics they're talking about. <laughs> uh, what is plate tectonics? <laughs> genius. Yeah. He's a genius. <laughs> Where'd your brother go? Pete went to uh, Providence College. Uh, he has the distinction of graduating uh, dead last in his class. Yeah. And the reason why we uh, know that is because <laughs> when it came time to graduate that day, he yeah. uh, he didn't have the GPA for it. Yeah, sure. He, it, he, he needed a 2.0 yeah. to graduate, and yeah. his was like 1.97. Oh, wow. So he Just went, missed it. He went to one of his teachers, <laughs> yeah. and he said, come on, I'm in a jam. I, the guy lifted his you know, his current grade from like a, uh, whatever he had given him, like a, a D to a C minus, and, yeah. and that got Pete to 2. 2.0. <laughs> and he got out. And he got out. So he was at least tied for last, right? Yeah. Uh, beyond that, you, you know, any lower than that, you couldn't graduate. So what, what is it? So the two year, you got nothing, you got no future. That's true, yeah. And my, and, and my dad would say, you, you know, he'd call us a couple of ne'er-do-wells and, yeah. Were you? No. Did you get into trouble? Uh, we were both in a little bit of trouble, but just just regular, you know, nothing serious. Yeah. Just, just the trouble that kids get in around, yeah. around town. So you get out of school and he's like, what the fuck are we going to do? Well, we both went into sales. Uh, what? I was selling life insurance and really? all that kind of stuff that I knew nothing about. Yeah. And that who, who wants to listen to a... A kid who just graduated from college and has absolutely no money and yeah. no knowledge, but he's yeah. trying to sell you life insurance products. Right. So I was that guy, yeah. annoying my uh, relatives, and not very good at it. And Pete was selling uh, shipping space on 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 ocean ocean liners. Uh, really? With U.S. How lines. That, would, would you have a family friend? They got him that gig. Yeah, how do you get I, that? I don't, I don't even remember how. That's he, a crazy weird job. Ad in the paper. Yeah, he was in sales. Yeah, uh, and. You know, so n- neither of us were particularly good at it. And to Pete's credit, he he got the ball rolling. He he had this brainstorm one day where he woke up and he said, you know, 
he just had this burning desire to become a writer. Yeah. And that was a little unusual because uh, we we didn't, he didn't major in writing. He majored in accounting. Sure. And, but he just thought, I want to be a writer. And so. Really? And that was it? And so he started writing. He, he quit his job and he uh, moved down to uh, Cape Cod, which in those days. What town? Mashby. Yeah. Mashby near Falmouth. And, yeah. But in those days, there would be nobody on Cape Cod in the winter. That's yeah. changed. It's all, it's all crowded now. But uh, uh, so you go down there for the winter and it was a, it was a good place to write. He, yeah. he was working at some restaurant waiting tables and he, he ended up, uh, you know, he had an idea for a, a book and it was about, it was semi like autobiographical. Yeah. Uh, and he ended up writing the book called Outside Providence, which we later made into a into a movie, but he, it took him a few years. Yeah. He wrote it and, uh, he's a writer. Yeah. And, that's it. It's established. It's done. But did it get published? It did get published. Yeah. The, really? Yeah, right it didn't away? sell many copies, right. but it, it did get published. Okay. And, and it was a, it was a well-written book. It was about his, it, it's not autobiographical. It's a, it's a fictional story, but it was loosely based on some of the things that had happened to him uh-huh. in his life. And, uh, and so he, uh, yeah, he got it published and, he thought this is great. I'm a, you know, now I'm a writer, and he 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 moved out to L.A. and uh, w- with this, he went to actually went to uh, graduate school for yeah. writing after he wrote the book. Yeah, he went to UMass grad school and then on to Columbia. In Amherst or the one in Boston? The one in Amherst. Oh, nice. And he met uh, this other guy, Bennett Yellen, who uh, was from L.A. and he too was a writer. And the two of them started writing screenplays together. Hmm. And so that brought Pete out to L.A. And what are you doing, selling insurance? I, I went from selling insurance. I wasn't very good at it. A buddy of mine who I was working with, yeah, we came up with an idea to sell, uh, to create this new product. It was a round beach towel. Yeah. Round. <laughs> So that uh, six foot round, and yeah. the, the idea is when you go to the beach, you know, sure. sometimes you have to move your, yeah. the sun moves, you got to move your towel, so yeah. you align correctly, we're thinking, oh, with a round beach towel, you don't have to move it. Oh, what a day that was when you came up with you that, just right? move on it, yes. How, how big a day was that? Were you it was like, a big day. Okay. Yes. We thought, we thought, that's it. Okay. We got, this is it, the future. Yep. Beverly Hills, here yeah. we come. And uh, we, uh, that, that move, that prompted me to move out to California too the round with beach the towel? beach towels yes we, so you we, had a maid we had a maid they were called sunspots that's pretty clever yeah and, and two uh, of us came out uh here out to California and your brother was out here already? and he was already out here yes but yeah no you didn't care about writing you call your brother I'm going to stay there is there a place where you can put the boxes with the towels that's 100 percent accurate yes <laughs> <laughs> we had our Towels in his garage <laughs> at his little place yeah. in West Hollywood. Are there any around still? Uh, no, they're a little bit harder to find. Uh, what we, happened with it, the we, towels? It never, you know, it never really took off. It, we we kept getting close, and it, it. What does that mean when you get close with a round towel? Well, we'd we'd bring them to like beach shows and things like that. Oh, and everybody, okay. everybody loved it. They were yeah. all excited, but it was. You know, we were young, and I we, i don't think we had the money to run a business like that properly. But oddly, I, I don't think I've seen the round towel. Do they exist in the world? Did someone steal the idea? Did it run with it? Or? After after we tried, we tried for like three years to get it into all the department wow. stores and all that. And yeah. uh, it kind of just, you know, we, it, like I said, it, it came close, but it didn't yeah. quite work. Yeah. Okay. Yes. If you look around, you'll find some now. Imitating what was our original sunspot, idea. the uh, sunspot idea. They, they don't. Yeah, I don't think they call them sunspots anymore. But yeah, uh, but, <laughs> but while I was out here, yeah, yeah, 
<laughs> Peter and Bennett were writing screenplays. And yeah. then they'd call me in. They'd say, hey, read this sc screenplay we just wrote. Right. And and when I read it- You're I, like the regular guy. I, I was the guy. I'd, yeah. And I'd give them notes. I'd say, I like it. I'm not sure about this guy, though. And Yeah. I don't know. The ending seems to take forever. You know, whatever. Sure. It would be my note. And they'd make their adjustments. And then after doing that for a number of years, they said to me, why don't you come in and write with us? Uh-huh. The three of us. Uh, years it took. Well, maybe a year or two. Okay. Uh, and uh, uh, and I, I hopped at the opportunity and came in with them, and the three of us wrote screenplays for about five, well, maybe seven years. How many did you write? Uh, probably like ten. How many got made? Zero, uh, zero during no. that seven years. Yeah, nothing. Right. You know <laughs> the thing I was telling you, close but no cigar? Yeah. Well, it was a lot of that, too. But you guys got representation, and we, we got representation. We, uh, yes, we were we were called in to script Doctor, some other script. Oh yeah, you know, before a movie got made, we'd yeah. punch it up, and people would read our stuff, and they'd say that's funny. Yeah, uh, but they'd never make it. You know, hmm. and one of the scripts we wrote along those along that time period was Dumb and Dumber, hmm. and we wrote the script and we'd hand it into people, and we and they'd say they'd go like that's hysterical. What else you got, you know? Yeah. Well, what's the matter with that? Right. And they're like, oh, two dumb guys. and They don't make movies like that. They just didn't. It was, yeah. Uh, so. Uh, so what happened? How, how did After they... about seven years, yeah. we, we'd go home, by the way, back to Rhode Island, and the people would say, what are you doing? I'm saying, well, we're screenwriting. They're like. <laughs> have I seen one of the movies? Like, what movie? Exactly. Anything I would have seen? Uh, no, no, they haven't been made yet. Uh-huh. Okay. What are you really doing? Yeah. What are you bookmaking? How did the, the towel thing work out? Yeah. <laughs> you know my friends. That's exactly how they talk. Uh, <laughs> so it, it got, the, it, there was a little bit of frustration to it. Yeah, you're yeah, up there, yeah. you're working hard. We sure. actually were getting paid uh, a little bit, enough to get by. Yeah. And then somewhere along the way, somebody, we, we, we met with uh, a really big time producer, and uh, he told us, uh, we were telling him about Dumb and Dumber, and he said, well, why don't you guys just make it? Yeah. You know, we thought, well, really, we were telling him about our, all of our scripts. Sure. We'd get close, but General nobody, nobody would make it. And he'd say, he said, well, why don't you guys go make one of them? And we were like, because we don't know. We don't know how to do that. We're not directors. Yeah. And he said, well, you wrote the script. You can figure out yeah. how to direct it. Right. Just surround yourself with smart people, good cinematographer. Uh, you know, who is this producer? Uh, a guy named John Hughes. Oh, yeah. The late, great John yeah, Hughes. Yeah. And he told us yeah. that. He said, you two, to Pete and I, said, yeah. you, you two guys should direct. Yeah. And, we're, and, and literally, it never occurred to us. Huh. We were like, we don't know how to direct. Right. And he said, you'll figure it out. Wow. The, 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 the hardest part, he's telling us as writers, is what you've already done. Yeah. Coming up with the story. Yeah. If nobody, uh, if nobody else will direct it, you direct it. Yeah. And then we thought, oh. Okay. So, That's... what was the next step, though? Did you like? Oh, but you had agents. Did someone? Um, did someone tell you to, to how to get money or what the process That's was? What, that was the next step. Yeah. To try to figure out who who was you know dumb enough to give us money, right? <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. So we we went out to a lot of smaller companies who were making you know would finance independent movies. Right. We, we were looking for about a hundred thousand dollars to make Dumb and Dumber. Yeah. Wow. As an independent movie. Oh my God! Can you even imagine what? Well, that was what year? So that was a different year, but still, a hundred thousand is nothing. 
Right. So but you had we, no sense of what, how much it would cost to make a movie. Well, it. somebody told us that you could, you know, we were looking at other movies yeah. that, that had been made. And yeah. we're like, what was the budget on that? And you know, we, we thought for $100,000, you could make a, a small enough independent movie then that you could get it into film festivals and that sort of thing. So right. that was our goal. And as we were doing that, we, you know, we're sending it out. Well, who are we going to get to play it? And And literally... Agents wouldn't even they wouldn't even give the script to their to their actor clients. Really? Yeah, because it was called Dumb and Dumber. Yeah. And they were thinking the guy's gonna say, What do I, you giving me dumb dumb and dumber trips? No, mind you, yeah. It's not in the vernacular. The right. movie hadn't right. been made. Right. It from at first glance it sounded like a terrible idea. Sure. And actors would be insulted that they were getting scripts called Dumb and Dumber. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so uh that you we, <laughs> we what we had to actually do is a couple times we changed the name of the script, so right. just to get people to read it. Yeah, we called it "Go West." Yeah, I wasn't that, that a Marx Brothers movie? Uh, yes, it probably was. We, yeah, uh, yeah. We called it "A Power Tool Is Not a Toy," which was just it was a <laughs> that was a young adult song and band from Providence, yeah. and uh, we were just calling it anything to try to get people to read it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That that didn't work. Right. <laughs> We went back to Dumb and Dumber, and we we started casting it. And who came on board? But a young guy named Jim Carrey. Where'd you see him? How'd he get it? Uh, the, uh, we had a producing partner, Charlie Wessler, yeah, who, who believe had read the script. He, yeah, he, he said this is funny, I, yeah, and he he helped us. Uh, he brought us to a company called MPCA, yeah, Motion Picture Corps uh, of America. Uh, they're in Santa Monica, Brad. Yeah. Brad Cravoy and Steve Stabler, and they they were going to give us the money to make this movie on without a budget without Jim Carrey. Yes, yes. And w so while we were casting it, they were going to give you the hundred k, roughly hundred k. Yeah. Okay, and I can't while, even imagine what that would have been like while, to make that movie on hundred k. Would have been amazing. <laughs> while we were casting it, we got Jim Carrey read it, and I I, I think I think Charlie got it to him, and uh, he read it and said, "I love it. I want to do it." And his career was just taken off right then. And right. So we were like. Boom! You know, lightning in a lightning in a bottle. We were we had the script that Jim Carrey wanted to do just as his career was starting to take off. So now all of a sudden it's like not a hundred thousand dollar movie. We ended up making the movie that we got sixteen million dollar budget. Okay, that's still not a fortune. No, uh, I think seven of which went to Jim Carrey and Jeff Daniels. He was not really a known quantity yet, was he? The reason why we got Jeff is because. Once once we had Jim, we we started thinking who can play alongside him, and we went down the list of a lot of guys that could possibly do it. And and Jim Carrey was so in the zone, funny then, yeah, that it didn't feel like anybody could keep up with him. Yeah, it was kind of like one guy's funny and the other one's not as funny. Yeah, and so we thought, well, what if we get a guy who's not <laughs> funny? Yeah, you know, known to be funny. But yeah. he's a good actor, and, yeah. and we challenged Jim in that direction. Like, right, he, he has to act against this other guy. But also, you got a straight guy too, right? Yeah, but they the, the, true. It could it could play that way. But uh, we were playing it like let's challenge Jim to act. Right, and, and he liked the idea too. We brought in uh, Jeff Daniels to his credit, came in and read for us. Yeah, and he was he and Jim just hit it off. It was just instant chemistry, and they you know they loved each other. And, yeah. And it just, yeah, it, Jeff wasn't known for playing that kind of role. He was a really well-respected actor. I think his agents thought he was making the worst decision he could ever Is make. Is that true? I'm trying yeah. to remember, like, like what at what point, 
you know, this would have been in his career. Like, what had he done up to that point? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, he had done, he had worked with Woody Allen. And oh, so he had, he'd already uh, done Purple Rose of Cairo. So that I was think done. So, yeah. Dumb and Dumber was in 90, came out in 94. So. Oh, he'd done a million things. Yeah. Like he had done a million things. Yes, he had done uh, Terms something of wild. Something wild was a movie. Something wild, sure, with we, uh, Ray Liotta and Melanie Griffith. Yeah, great we, movie. we like that, and we thought he was funny in it, even though it's not necessarily a comedy. You know, he, he just he was funny. He's a oh, he'd done big movies. Yeah, and yeah. so his, you know, I I think his his representation probably tried to talk him out of doing this. All right, so you got these guys, and you guys direct. You figure it out. But, we surrounded ourselves with people who knew a lot more than us. We thought, sure, that as soon as that budget had gotten up yeah. to where it was, that they were going to say, okay, you guys, out, step aside. We're going to bring in a real director because yeah, yeah, we're yeah. giving you a lot yeah. of money. And they just never did. They, it, we, it was, we were as surprised as anyone. That's crazy. So, like, so you were able to execute the comedy exactly how you saw it. So it's weird because for all practical purposes, that movie – was the beginning of you guys owning the comedy space in movies for years. Well, that was the first thing we had ever made, and, and, I, and I mean, like, ever made. We hadn't made a home movie. We hadn't made a, an MTV video. Nobody had shot a commercial. Nothing. We yeah, and not it's a huge hit, anything. right? It's like a huge hit. It was a big hit right, right out of the gate. Uh, we, and you guys are all of a sudden, like, well, made guys. At, at, at that time, though, yeah. you know, Jim Carrey, you know, he's so funny, and everybody recognized that, that I don't think they even really said, who made it? Who made this movie? They weren't really saying that. Right. You know, a couple right. of people were, but it, we weren't. But the money was, they knew the money we, was there. People who mattered knew it made money, and you guys wrote it and directed it, so. Well, our sec after that, we got offered from the same company that had we had made the movie yeah. with. Those guys said, hey, we want to make another movie yeah. with you. And then they, we made the movie Kingpin. <laughs> Which is arguably... I mean, I, you can make a case for the best movie ever made. <laughs> wow, I didn't know. I thought you were going to say definitely one of the top five bowling movies ever. No, man. <laughs> There's moments in that that are just crazy. I think you really knocked something loose there. Who the fuck wrote that <laughs> you line? You jared something loose, Tiger. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, funny, because I used that line the other day. Uh, <laughs> Was that your line? <laughs> I never remember who who, who wrote who, what. Who wrote what? No, it's a collaboration. It was such a great thing for Woody Har Harrelson to do. I yeah. mean, it was just like that to see him do that guy was such a revelation, man. Because he's so fucking good. He's good in your new movie, but right. but like that movie didn't deliver like the other one did. It it did not, and it was all about the uh, we we thought sure when we made the movie with with Woody and uh, yeah. Bill Murray and uh, Randy Quaid, we thought. Oh, this is another, you know, Dumb and Dumber. We we thought, sure, we had another hit on our yeah. hands. And the movie came out, and it, and it was just a different company and different marketing and all that, and the, who they were trying to sell it to, and nobody saw it. And it just it just came and went. You, and, know, you know what, though? I think some of it, like, had to do with, like, it was too real a guy. Well, I don't know that people would have even gone to see it to make that determination. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's like nobody thought they would want to see this movie. Right. It, just, it just didn't do anything at the box office. Right, so right, right, right. We were very disappointed with that. Fortunately, yeah, it uh, it found it, its audience on when the DVDs came out, and and people did find it, and mm. and, and it actually became like a a, a cult, cult hit within yeah, a year, sure. like, but not at the box office. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. But then, like, but how do you did you not think you were going to make another movie after there, that? There did was a there was a very good thought that yes, that 
that that was it. That we, we wouldn't make another movie or wouldn't be able. Why? To. Because you couldn't you couldn't deliver. Like no, were you being turned well, away? Uh, we weren't being taken seriously. We weren't really being considered. I right. think I think if they say, well, you know, Dumb and Dumber was a big hit, they'd say, well, yeah, but that was Jim Carrey. Yeah. And then the other one, uh, Kingpin, was a good movie. Yeah, but it didn't do any business. There was a reason, you know, that that, that they could dismiss us. Yeah. Uh, but uh, so we knew that whatever our next movie is, if if we have that opportunity, we better get it right. Because right. if we missed on the third one, right. we, we would have just you're out forever. That would have been it. Did you were you sitting on that script already? That script, there's there's something about Mary was originally written by two two good friends of ours, Ed Dector, John Strauss. It was they were two other screenwriters who wrote together, and whenever they when they told us the idea for this story they had called "There's Something About Mary." Uh, we just thought it was we just thought it was really inspired and the and the idea was a guy's hung up on this girl he went to high school with he's just wondering whatever became of her you know I, I, I'm, I still have these feelings for this girl yeah that got away yeah you know, she moved away when he was in high school sure but, and so he hires a private eye to to track her down to see what became of her yeah and when the private eye finds her he too immediately falls for her right and he goes back and tells the guy ah she you know Right, she went to pieces. Sure, let yeah. it go. Move yeah. on with your life. And he goes after <laughs> yeah. her. And then uh, that was the original idea to that extent. Was and, there, was it wasn't a real story? It's not based. On, it was, <laughs> I don't. I don't know. It was a fiction. Okay, uh, yeah, it was yeah, fictionalized. Yeah. Uh, that was the, so. That was the, you know, that was the one line of the movie. And they had it at the studios, and it was being developed, and people were giving them notes and this and that. And every time they'd come out with a draft, it just had too many, too many cooks in the kitchen, if you will, and. They just never, it didn't ever feel right. It was right. never as, and, and these guys are good writers. It was just overdeveloped. They right. were trying to take all the studio notes and make them work. And it didn't, it, it never really, uh, you know, found itself. So Pete and I loved that original. It, it, so it died. It just died at, at the studio. Yeah. And uh, Pete and I loved that idea. We went to him and said, is there any way we can take your idea and rewrite it? Right. They were like, go for it. Yeah. And we did. And uh, so the four of us, you know, wrote it. It, it, was, it was their original idea, but sure. Pete and I did the rewrite, and uh, you know. We and who'd up, you attach first? Uh, you know the, the the very first person in that movie that we attached was Cameron Diaz to play Mary, uh, because she had we had seen her in The Mask, yeah. with, our, with our friend Jim, Jim Carrey, Carrey yeah. and, and when we saw it, you know, she was just that that woman that you looked at and said, "Wow." Who is that? Who's that actress? And she really lit up the screen. And so we met with her. We thought, you know, she might be the the perfect right. woman to play uh, play our Mary because it was something. There was just there was something about her where she, you, as soon as you met her, you, you just flipped for it, you know. And sure. She was uh, she was an ingenue. Nobody really knew her, and uh, and when we met her, we loved her. So she was our our first pick, and then we cast around that. So. Now you guys didn't write. You didn't do any TV writing. We wrote. We wrote some. Uh, we had some TV ideas. We always wanted to write on Seinfeld. Stuff, yeah. So we'd we'd send ideas for them, and we had some some of our uh, ideas turned into episodes and things like that. But we were never on a staff writing. No. You never. We, wrote, we tried to, and we never got hired. You oh you so you pitched just that story ideas we, to Seinfeld. We'd go in and pitch them uh, some of our. Uh, you know, we we're trying to audition to get on the writing in the writing this is before room. you landed Dumb and Dumber. Yeah, yeah, and they'd say no. We, they, you know, you have to throw some ideas their way. Yeah, and, and 
we never got the job, but occasionally they'd say, we did like that one idea. Can you mind if we write? And and so they'd take a few of our uh, our ideas and rewrite them themselves. We get credit, but we, we were not on the writing. Uh, well, you got a little money from that, right? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Which episodes? See, the Virgin in in on Seinfeld was a it, it ran for like three or four episodes, and it and it ran into the famous episode where uh, Master of the Domain and all that. So, yeah, yeah. So we had helped them with those storylines. Oh yeah. Well, that that's good. You probably still get checks for that. <laughs> uh, they're not real big. Yeah, no. <laughs> they they tend to dwindle. They're not Larry David. No, no checks. Yeah. They're dollar fifty. They're <laughs> right. cups of coffee checks. <laughs> so so Mary. So because like the thing about Mary was like uh, kind of awesome in that I don't know. I'd never seen Ben Stiller like that. He really kind of revealed himself to be this incredibly. A great physical comedian. Yep. yep. I mean, like, unbelievable. Uh, ben has a, you know, in, when you're making a comedy, it's one thing to be funny, but it, when you're a good reactor, yeah. everything around you becomes really funny. And and Ben was as good as anyone. He could react to things happening to him. He just had this look on his face of that guy that the world's picking on. He just he just nailed it. We loved working with him. But we weren't sure who the uh, who was going to play that part. When we got we got down to our final three actors, yeah, uh, there were just three people that had come in and auditioned, and none of them had become big stars yet. But our final three guys were Ben Stiller, who got the part, yeah, Owen Wilson, yeah, who was just we were like this guy's got something for sure. Oh. And then the other guy was John Stewart. John Stewart was an aspiring actor at that point, right. And those three guys, it was those three, and we, who do you like? Who do you like? And we, we were like adding up the numbers, That's and they were all very close. It was a close horse race. Yeah, they all could have done it, I think. Because Ben really can tap into this awkwardness. First that, of all, I, I never I never think, oh, God, if only we got so-and-so. Ben was the right guy. He, yeah. He won the part, and he nailed it. Yeah. And, and that's how it is with acting. You know, it's not necessarily who you think of right away right, or who sure. you think it's going to be, but the right person comes to the role. And there's no question in my mind, Ben Stiller was the right guy to play and that Matt, part. Matt Dillon was so good, dude. Matt was great, yeah. And he, he had always been a leading man then. Uh, it was so, so funny. And and I don't think he'd even been in a comedy. So it was it was fun working with him. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's the first time that you guys, I guess, I actually, I mean, without, I mean, obviously the, the centerpiece of Dumb and Dumber were dumb guys, but that was the first time you used a mentally challenged guy. Well, here's the thing that yeah. in 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 our experience growing up, we, we were friends with these other guys down the street, and they had a brother. We had there were two brothers. Pete and I hung out with these yeah. other two brothers, yeah. Dougie and Chris. Yeah. They had another brother, Warren. Warren yeah. was what you would call it those those days. You'd call him mentally retarded. Yeah. Okay. And but he was always part of the gang. Yeah. Like he just ran with us. He was, yeah. we, he was just part of sure. part of everything we yeah. did because yeah. it was the other guy's brother. And yeah. We loved him. He was hysterical. Yeah. <laughs> he he just yeah. we always laughed. We yeah. never laughed at him. We laughed right. with him. Sure. And, and he was that guy. Yeah. And so we thought, you know, what well, what is it about Mary that's so lovable? And one of the things we wanted to put in there about her was that she's really such a nice person. Right. right. And, and she's a decent person. She's always nice to people. Yeah. That kind of thing. And that she, we said, hey, how about if she has a brother like Warren? Yeah. And she's always looking after him and making sure he's good. And, you know, that's just part of who she is. She would never move on with her life and forget about her brother Warren. And yeah. so that's yeah. what we wrote into the script. And yeah. 
the studio would say to us, no, you can't put that in there. You yeah. know, you can't. And we're like, why? You know, that that's a real guy that we know. Like, why why can we not include him into our story? Sure. This, this our Warren. Yeah. And we named him Warren. Yeah. Was the guy really mentally challenged? The actor? No, he wasn't. Uh, no. And that was a different day and age where you didn't necessarily think, uh, we I, didn't necessarily think that you had to hire a, uh, you know, a, a disabled actor to play a disabled role. Well, I, I thought he did a pretty good job. He did a great job. Yeah. A great actor. It, it, but he was, it was an honest job. Yeah. No, he was great. He yeah. was great. But uh, again, like in those day and age, yeah, you, you know, Dustin Hoffman played Rain Man. Sure. Okay. He's yeah. playing this character. Well, yeah. nobody thought, oh, we got, you got to hire a real, a guy <laughs> yeah. with real, yeah. you know, auto, on the autism right. spectrum to play right. this part. It just didn't, it wasn't the way people were thinking that. Right. But, sure. But they do think that now. But what, now, so when they said you can't have that character, you fall for the character. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And they said, uh, you know, I remember the studio was telling us, it's like, no, they're going to, you're going to think you're picking on people. Yeah. It's like, we're not picking on people. Sure. We're, we're including him. Right. We're including him in our story. I don't know where we're picking on him. He's a, he's got some idiosyncrasies for sure, but, uh, our guy at home has idiosyncrasies. So it, we just felt like it was inclusion. Now when, right. And, and it, I think it read like that. And, and, but like in, in, was there reaction to that at that time? Like, you know, because like you said, the, the times have changed in terms of people's perceptions around, sensitivity was there was there a reaction around uh, a mary in terms of that we'd always we'd always get a little bit of flack from the critics or something like that oh they're doing that you know the Farrelly brothers are doing this and that yeah, they're yeah. picking on so and so it was it you know it you never love to read that stuff for sure but sure. we always realized we're not making this movie for critics okay you can critique it all but you you're want. also were your heart was in the right place we we felt like we're just trying to make tell a funny story and and make people laugh, right? So, it it was all in there. After the movie at the <laughs> premiere, I'll never forget that this woman came up to me who I knew had a brother with the similar yeah, disabilities, sure. and she said, "I am going to go home. I'm going to call him as soon as I get home. I I can't believe I feel bad because Mary loves her brother so much and pays so much attention to him, and and I I." I got to start paying more attention to my brother. And so <laughs> it was that thing where the people who had any anything to do with the real community, who either had a sibling yeah, like yeah, that sure. or son they or loved daughter, it. they loved it. Yeah. And that's the one. If they, yeah. if that group ever yeah. came after us. I tell you, when that guy falls out of the tree in the long shot, I mean, I just thought of it. <laughs> I just thought of it and started laughing. <laughs> yeah. It was, we'd never be able to make there's something about Mary. Oh my Mary, God. Uh, nowadays. So but it's too bad because uh, uh, it was, uh, <laughs> it got people laughing. You know, this world, you know. Uh, yeah, I do know. need to laugh. Well, I mean, but like, like you made, there's a lot of movies here. We can't go movie to movie, but you know, Shallow Howl and, and me, myself and Irene. But then The Ringer, you go back to dealing with this mentally challenging, this yeah. uh, mentally disabled thing. And that got, that was, that was a slight, it wasn't now, but it was getting there, right? In terms of reaction. Uh, the ringer, in the ringer, uh, Johnny Knoxville plays the lead and yeah. he's a guy who owes some money to some bookies. So he, his harebrained idea about how to win it back is he's going to go into the Special Olympics, pretend he's, one of them, if you will, yeah. and uh, and and his friends are going to gamble, and he's of course going to win, right? Right. According to him, well, yeah. he gets in there, and 
he realized there, <laughs> there were a bunch of them are way better athletes than him. You're and right. He can't win, and uh, it, it it was it was a nice story in that he had a total mis misconception of what that community was all about. Yeah, again, the heart was in the right place. We we would never have made that movie ha if we thought that it's gonna it, it that it, it it's going to uh, offend the uh, people with uh, with intellectual disabilities. Yeah. And, and in order to, you know, give us the good housekeeping seal of approval, we went to Eunice Shriver, who created the Special Olympics, and and asked her to read the script. We we happened to know th them. We had people yeah. that knew them. Sure. Told them, we're going to make this movie. Please read the script and tell us what you think. Because we wouldn't make it if she right. said, don't. I find that, you know, insulting. Yeah. So she read it and said, this is exactly what we need. We need movies about this this group of people because, by and large, Hollywood pretends they don't exist. Yeah. And so, and 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 she was saying, you, you can't believe how much we laugh when we're at the Special Olympics and all that, how much laughter there is, how much humor. Sure. And so <laughs> I like that you're doing it. And she gave us her her blessing. And so that was huge. Yeah. And what was the what was the response to the movie? Uh, it was the, the response wasn't too bad. The, again, some critics would think we were doing something wrong, but you know, like I said, critics are critics were always tough on us. It we, do all right at the box office. Uh, it it did it did it very well at the box office. It wasn't definitely wasn't one of our bigger hits. Yeah, uh, but uh, it did do well. I saw the Three Stooges. I thought that was an earnest attempt. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's a it was hard to recreate their magic, but we grew up on the studio. But it's funny, though, because you could tell that, though, in, in the sense that the way you shot the slapstick, even when, even how you guys do it, you can see the Stooges in your work because you just let that comedy happen. You set up the situation, and that slapstick's going to happen. It's a very specific thing, and it, not a lot of people can do it well, and you guys could do it well, and it must have been because you love the Stooges. Oh, we did love the Stooges, absolutely. Uh, growing up where we grew up, it, it, much of the year was – cold and rainy and you know after school we'd come home and on channel 38 yep. in boston they'd, right. they'd run the stooges yeah. and uh like yeah there weren't there weren't uh, 500 channels and there were just a sure. couple yeah so on a rainy day after school you'd you'd sit down and you'd watch stooges episode after stooges episode so Didn't they, they had, run like the dead end kids and stuff too or i don't was know that, what the I, dead end kid is. i don't know that the bowery boys i think that was in jersey i think it was channel 11 in jersey used to run all those black and white tv comedies but the stooges yeah yeah stooges so Every kid in my town knew all, like all the Stooges lines. It, yeah, was, yeah. it was just a, it was what we laughed at. And yeah. So we just were always fond of them. Yeah. Well, I mean, I it, but you knew like right that weren't there people trying to do movies like yours at this time? Like you know, like in when when the thing about Mary when something about Mary hits, wasn't there sort of a resurgence of people trying to copy you guys? There definitely was a. When we made there's something about Mary, there had not been a an R rated comedy in a long time yeah i think all the way since uh you know since like maybe animal house right. or something like that they used to make r-rated yeah. comedies and then they just stopped making them they were that all the comedies were geared towards 13 year old boys and they yeah. thought why make an r-rated the, the the guys we want to get in there can't buy a ticket to them. right 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 yeah so uh you know it's crazy but we convinced the the guys at fox who made there's something about mary to to allow us to go a, a little bit further don't try to Tone it down to a PG thirteen uh, rating. Let let us let us run you know run with it and do yeah. some stuff that hadn't been done. Yeah. Like you know like the goop and Mary's hair and sure. that kind of stuff. Sure. And uh, we knew that we were that would never work in a PG thirteen movie. So that would be under, that would be understood. 
They did. Yeah, they did let us. And and it, when it was a big hit, yes, right after that, well, what happened? All the other studios are trying to come out with you know raunchy R-rated. Do you comedy. remember that? Like what American Pie and like uh, what were the movies that you thought were well, American Pie was a good one. I don't. Uh, yeah. Uh, there was a lot of like, you know, Freddie got fingered and some, oh, yeah. some weird ones that, yeah. you know, they just, I think they just thought yeah, like yeah. if you, the further you go, the better. Right, right, and, right. And, and, you know, a lot of it is, yeah, you can go far, but you have to have, there's got to be a, a sweetness to it too. Sure. Otherwise. That's the, that's the trick, be right? Yin to the yang, right? Yeah. A little heart to it. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that's the thing about, there's something about Mary's underneath all the you know, the raucous stuff. Uh, yeah. is, there's a sweet story. Yeah. If you just told that sweet story, that'd be like sure. a hallmark. Movie. Yeah, it's but like so, a romantic comedy. <laughs> so we, uh, yeah, we camouflaged it with, you know, big laughs. Do you find, like, have you, like, what is your feeling about a culture and, and you know, like heading into making this new movie, uh, the uh, uh, Champions? Like, were there considerations around where we're at culturally? I think absolutely uh, right now making any comedy you have to be aware of uh, that yeah the comedy landscape has changed a lot and uh, there's a lot of people who you know comedy's on a comedy in movies is on a hiatus you know yeah. it just there hasn't been many but I think that you know isn't comedy always like surprising people a little bit like sure. if you, if if you're not surprising them right it, you're doing something wrong right of you, course it's hard to be real funny if they if there's no surprise they see it coming yeah. Yeah, so th that's one of the things about crossing boundaries is it it surprises the it's audience. What, yeah, and that's what you're supposed to, to and, do. And, and, and so yeah. it'll come, I think it'll come back. I think right now it's just a, been a, you know last few years have been weird in society, uh, uh, but it'll come back. I, the new movie Champions is, you know, it's kind of don't you have a kid who does comedy? I do stand up. Yep. Yeah, I have a son, AB. Yeah, AB Farrelly, who does. Who does stand-up comedy? Yeah, runs with you and those. Yeah, I don't think I've met him. I'll I'll have him go over and uh, come over and say hi. Yeah, yeah. Is he around here? Yeah, he's a, he lives out here in L.A. Is he like? Because I'm at the comedy store a lot. Does he come over there? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah, tell him to introduce himself. I wonder if he knows me. Oh, he knows you. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Oh, he knows you. <laughs> you're a big shot. I'm a big shot. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I think maybe you're right. Maybe it'll I, I, it'll find its level. I, you know, once respect is paid to those who uh, who have it coming, I think that the evolution of language and how people are treated in comedy has always been what it's been. You know, we don't say uh, Chinaman anymore, and we don't say you know. Right. I mean, it's it just it, the, the the weird uh, kind of holding on to language as being you know an indicator of censorship is a little ridiculous it's just uh, an evolving respect for marginalized people absolutely 100% uh i think of the movie uh what's the one where mickey rooney was playing the the, the chinese landlord in uh oh yeah breakfast at tiffany's okay yeah which is a tremendous movie sure famous movie breakfast at tiffany's yeah. is, is a really beautiful movie and really well done yeah but it has this moment in it where and it was done for comic relief sure. at the time nobody batted an eye mickey rooney is playing a stereotypical right. uh, Chinese yeah. man or something, yeah. and, and he—it's it, as stereotypical. And you know, you look back; it, it's like the equivalent of blackface or something. But of course, against Chinese, uh, you know, Asian people, and uh, it was all meant to be laughed at at the sure. time. And and these are really smart people, the filmmaker and all that. But it, whatever the sensibility was then, nobody batted an eye. Right. Well, it's interesting. I just realized this that they, that Matt Dillon's character in so there's something about Mary is really the point of view 
of, you know, this anti-woke kind of movement. It's that sort of commitment to like, come on. Ah, is it? Matt Dillon's character did a lot of dumb things in that, and but we were we were making sure that yeah, it's guess balanced. what? He's a total idiot. Right. He's supposed to be an idiot, but it's balanced. I'm saying it's a great comic character, but the point of view of that guy is the point of view of people fighting for the right to be that guy now. That's correct. Yeah, interesting. So what do you? Where does the the idea? Because like the one thing I noticed about watching Champions about the new film is that. This is a movie, not unlike the 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 woman from the Special Olympics, set, the Ringer. That the well, but but her her idea of like to to sort of integrate this world into regular life as something not to be ashamed of or hidden. It seems to be that is part of the core of this movie. Is that you know it's like you know these are these are our neighbors. These are our you know this is not. It's not a. It's not a something to be laughed at. These are human beings. That is absolutely correct. And you know, the, my feeling, uh, having a lot of friends in the uh, disabled community, is that the the disabled community is wildly underrepresented in in movies and te- television. Mm-hmm. It's it's like you just pretend they're not there, right? Because you don't see them, right? Or if you do see them, they're only portrayed in one way. Yep, they're a perfect angel. Or maybe they're a villain or something, right. but but everything every time you see them, it's generally some stereotype, right? And what we try to do in in this movie here is bring in a lot of 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 these first of all these characters, uh, but also these actors who you know real actors with disabilities who play these characters and show them that that they're well rounded, that they're not they're not all perfect, they're not all saints, yeah, they're not all villains, they're yeah. like anyone else. They're well rounded human beings who have a life that. You know, they're, they're doing the best they can like everyone else. And, and, so, and most of them were, were brought up in homes just like any of the rest of us. Correct. Until, you know, they go, you know, whether they live in a group home or not. But they 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 are usually come, most of them in this movie, I would say, are, are from families that loved them. And, and you know. 100%, yeah. And, and totally integrated them into life. Correct. Yeah. And and what you get is you, you have sort of the full spectrum of of mentally disabled people in this movie, you have Down syndrome people. You have people right. that that maybe it happened accidents happened, and then you have other types of mental. But they all know what's up. They absolutely do. When, when we had these ten actors come on the come on the set, I remember the crew was there was a feeling like everyone was kind of walking on eggshells. Right. Like nobody knew quite what to say or they're afraid they might say the wrong thing or right. do something wrong. And it was just a feeling of, geez, what do I do now? And, <laughs> yeah. Well, by the end of the show, yeah. every single person was like fast friends. You, you looked at all the 10 actors and you didn't even look at them like they had a, a disability at all. Right. They, they were, they, like bet. they were any different. They were just... They were just who they were, and you totally understood them. And it was so cool. Yeah, it was so cool. And it was the whole, the whole crew, including me, and Woody, and everyone else. It's like because you didn't know it at first how, how it's all going to go. And by the end, it was like, what the heck was I even yeah. worried about? And that's right. what happens when you, you know, when you meet. A well, you get nervous. Like People get nervous. You do. You know what? What do we? How do we do? What if there's a? How, how do we talk to? What do we? And well, then, you know, I think I think part of the reason why people get nervous is li- little things like, "Am I going to say the wrong thing?" Am I? Yeah. Because the the verbiage around this community changes all the time. Yeah, I don't even know what it is now. 
you know, the yeah. R word, the dreaded R word. Well, we know that one's that no they good. hate. But you right, know, yeah. originally that was—I don't think that was a word that was. No, was that the, was the word they were using. Right. It wasn't intended to be a slang until you know other kids started going like, "Yeah, we're right, 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 right." And then all of a sudden it became a pejorative. Right. But uh, and and so that's what happens is that the the verbiage changes over time and. You're, you're That's like, all of it. That's what we were just talking about yeah. with Chinaman, is that there's an evolution of language of respect that can be afforded to these communities without it being a punchline. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. What is it, though, now? Is it intellectually disabled? Well, it depends on who you ask. Okay. Uh, here, here's a, the thing that the uh, Special Olympics uh, told me, and, yeah. and I think this is pretty good. It's, it's, it's never someone who's you know, intellectually disabled, it, it, you'd say it's a person with intellectual disabilities. Okay. It's a person first. Okay, you know, yeah, It's a right. human being first. Sure. Oh, I, okay. It's a, it's a person with right. Down syndrome. Right. Got it. It's a, you know, yeah. a person sure. on the autism scale. Right. Like, like that. So that, so that you make sure, yeah, it's just not some, yeah. you know, they're not a Down syndrome person. They're, they're a person with Down syndrome. Uh, uh, that makes sense. But anyway, I, I like that. But the latest I heard is that uh, they just want to say people are, Disabled or a non-disabled? Period. And, and yeah, and the reason why they brought it down to those two things is because they say that they're disabled because they don't have the access to all the things in society that non-disabled people have. Okay, mm -hmm. and it's not just you know right. wheelchair ramps sure. and all that. Like I'm right. talking about the actors, they don't have the access to all, to all these parts. They right. don't because there aren't, the parts aren't there. And also, many of the parts went to, you know, non-disabled actors. So it's it's really access to opportunity that makes them disabled. That's the newest version okay. of, of this. I get it. Well, you know what's great about watching it is that, like, there is – was it hard to get Woody to do this? No. No, Woody got me to do it because oh. Woody found – it's from a – this is from a, a Spanish movie of the same title, Campeones. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and it was a it was a, kind of a big hit over in Spain, and Woody found the movie, okay, and just thought it would be a great movie to remake for American audience that doesn't know about this movie. Sure, and uh, and also such a, a an act of inclusion. Yeah, Woody loves this movie. I, I've I've you know Woody's got like a hundred and ten credits or something, and he makes them, and then he goes on, and he doesn't. He's not a guy that loves to go out and promote a movie. Or yeah, something like that. just just not who he is. He'd yeah. rather just be the artist, yeah. make it, and let other people yeah. promote it. But he loves this movie so much. He's so proud of it, and yeah. he should be, because he's so good in it. Yeah, and uh, Harrelson's always he's always great, and and Caitlin Olsen's great. You know, yeah, and, no, and Caitlin uh, was Caitlin was always good to see Cheech Marin. Teaches, yeah, and 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 the the surprise for me was Ernie Hudson. I'm like, where's that guy been? Yeah, Ernie Hudson. Ernie's a class act. Yeah. But but what I was going to say is that all these disabled people, these people with disabilities, they, they have their own – the one thing about, about people with, with these type of disabilities is they operate sort of in a different time zone, you know, personally than, than us. And it's, it, it's its own thing. So it has its own timing. And it was, it was sort of interesting watching that kind of integrate, you know, watching Woody – you know, kind of uh, get into their timing. Yeah, it, it, it's 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 very interesting to and there's a 
there's an excitement about watching it to, to, to see them achieving this these performances. Well, each one of those ten the ten actors yeah. that are in here like have a distinct. Once you once you spend three months with them yeah. every single day, you'll realize each one has like a distinct personality. That's, that's and sense different of humor than the other too, one. right? That's different yeah. than the other yeah, ten. Yeah, yeah. They all share a bond and all that, but they're all different and. The thing I was trying to do with the movie is to show each one of those people, just show that little bit that I saw in yeah. real life. Yeah. You know, the yeah. Cosentino, the girl, the way she's, the way she's sassy and stands yeah, yeah, up yeah, and yeah, takes, yeah, yeah. takes guff from no one. Right. And that's how she is. Yeah. That's exactly yeah. how she is. And then, uh, you know, the big guy, Showtimes, who throws the ball backwards, he just... He, yeah, he, he yeah. just loves to dance. And, he, every single day he's in a good mood. It, 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 it's, it's amazing. I love that you didn't pay that off. <laughs> you know, I like this. The third act of this thing really is something. Oh, great! Thank you. Because you know, I I didn't see any of that coming. Because there isn't there. You're doing one of these movies. It's a sports movie. It's an right? underdog so, movie. Yep. Underdog sports movie, right? Yep. With the with the fucked up coach, right? So yep. so there there's precedent for it. But so the the trick of this would be not not only just working with the disabled actors, but how what is the twist? And, and and it really, the third act is sort of like, what? Wait, huh? And then, you know, and then, the, but the fact that that game, go, the championship game goes the way it's going to go is completely uh, a surprise. Yeah. Well, and, thanks. Uh, be, yeah. Because, yeah, you know, there's a lot of tropes, right? There's right. A lot and of it didn't matter. Cliches. Yeah. And, and, and that's what it is. is a, well, we don't want to do exactly what the audience thinks you're going to do, but at the same time, the audience wants to have a you know satisfaction. You can't help it with this. You movie want to bring them up. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. want to you want to have them walking out of the theater in a yes. good mood. You don't right. want them like just sure piss them off at the end just to be different. And so that's the trick is not not doing the cliche but satisfying them. And I think but, we but also right. the, the yeah you did and I didn't like the that one character. You know why he's not on the team? Who the fuck saw that? I didn't see that coming. How are you gonna see that coming? Right. Right. That was heavy, man. It yeah. was good. And the, and the, and the 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 guy, the man, the young man who played it, he was awesome. He, he, I mean, that was a good piece of acting there. That kid never acted in his life. It was, it was good. And he really, uh, and that, that's not his real story right, either. Of course. So he was acting, right? You know, he, this this is acting for him, and he just nailed it. He was, he was, he was. It was very impressive. I, I remember the night we shot that. It's it's Woody at at his house at the door and. Uh, uh, we were all almost crying watching him. It yeah. really, it re he really sold it. It was so believable. The kid, yeah, yeah, the actor himself, so, and Woody yeah. did too. Yeah, Woody was blown away. He was Woody was, was legit. His his feelings were legit because of because of uh, wow. this kid Joshua who, yeah. who played that role. He played the part of Darius. He he really blew us away where, where he went as an actor. You know, yeah, and, and he'd never acted in his life. It's great. And also, like, the one thing I came away from it is I said, like, this is a family movie for be like, because it, it operates in a way, you know, not unlike, not just a sports movie, but, you know, and I'm not meaning this in a, in a, in a, in a negative way, but it, it functions in the same way that after school movies were supposed to work. Mm -hmm. Do you, you know what I mean? That, that this is a, a it's a movie uh, about inclusion. So, like, for families to bring kids to this, you know, especially bully kids. Yeah. We, it's a service. It's a service. Well, I remember that when we were in the editing room making it, there was a lot of times we said, you know, I don't want this to feel like an after-school special. Cause sure. Because I don't, you know, it, nobody wants, I don't know, I think people would be would shy away from it if they thought, 
oh, they're just trying to get a message across and all that. It's not. It's not really a no, message movie. No, it's no, a, it's not. It's a. It's a nice, nice story that that if yeah, there, there. I guess there is a message in there, but that's not what we're. That's not our goal. Well, it's you know, just it's but, just the nature of what we were talking about this yep. whole time. That that it, it, it in terms of going back to your friend's brother Warren, Warren, you know, through the ringer, but through it's it's really the the thing that you always defended was inclusion, right? So this is like a movie about that in a way. Right. So it doesn't you don't have to do the message on purpose, but it's there and it's heartwarming. Yeah. I mean, you were making a heartwarming movie. Well, yeah. Well, the original, <laughs> yeah, again, it's from the original sure. Spanish movie, and that was very, they, they did a great job. It, I, somebody told me that uh, that it was a, it was based on a true story of one of the, one of the filmmakers over there was based on his yeah. brother or something like that. But that's, that's what you can feel is that you want it, you want these people in this to be real. I, Unlike when we made The Ringer, and it was there was a certain you know in comedy we call it broadness. It's broad. Yeah. It's a little it's a little zanier than real life. Yeah. Stuff happens. It, it's a little bit of a different set of rules. Right. But this movie here, there's no broadness to it at all. I, I wanted to make sure it felt like these are real people. This is a real situation. There's no nothing movie you know movie magic about it. it yeah. These are these are things that could actually happen to yeah. real people. And yeah. I liked so it. I a little it. more of a dramedy. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you. So, all right. So, you and your brother getting along all right? We get along great. Oh, okay. Just kind of doing your own things a little bit? We got, <laughs> yeah. We, uh, you know, we did our own, uh, we did our movies together for so many years, and then uh, along the way, we just thought, eh, you know, maybe we'll try to go out and do one on our own, and Pete first venture on his yeah. uh, on his own was a movie called Green Book, which won an Oscar. So uh, <laughs> when he started doing the math, he was like, wait a minute, I worked 20 years with, with Bobby, and then, then I one, year, one year without him, and now I'm an Oscar winner. And uh, so it, that didn't go for, unnoticed. That, that's it for you guys as a team. <laughs> no, uh, I'm doing a new movie right now. Uh, I'm actually in Atlanta, yeah. uh, about to start a new one, and uh, here's how we're doing it. Pete wrote the screenplay. I'm going to direct it, and we both produce it. So that that's the version of oh great. It, it, we, we'll call it a Farrelly Brothers movie because you know, comedy. Uh, yep, big Christmas comedy. Who's in it? Uh, I'm not allowed to divulge right now. Oh really? Yeah, they asked me not to, okay. but uh, we have a very good cast. <laughs> All right, buddy. Good talking to you, man. Thank you, thank you, Mark. Good yeah. talking to you. That was Bobby Farrelly. If you're just tuning in, the new comedy he directed, Champions, opens in theaters everywhere tomorrow, March 10th. Hang out a second. Hey, look, I'm sure you take a lot of vitamins. Maybe you take a daily multivitamin. Maybe you take ones to boost your immunity or ones to help with alertness. What about your cells? Are you giving your cells the full nutrition they need, especially as we age? I am, thanks to Solgar. Solgar is part of my daily routine, thanks to their cellular nutrition line. Give yourself a daily collection of nutrients designed to help fight cellular decline and promote cell health. Visit CellularNutrition.Solgar.com to learn more and use promo code MarkMarin, all one word, to get 20% off. The Oscars are this Sunday, and we've had a lot of Oscar nominees on the show this award season. In fact, since you might have missed some of them, we're going to release a special compilation episode tomorrow with the nominees talking about their Oscar-nominated work. Michelle Yeoh. Daniels, Brendan Fraser, Hong Chow, Austin Butler, Andrea Riceboro, 
Sarah Pauly, Todd Field, Ryan Johnson, Judd Hirsch, and Tony Kushner. And if you want even more Oscar talk, we posted a new episode of Mark on Movies to the Full Marin, where we try to figure out why we care about the Oscars. I'll tell you, I never forget. Like, I think one of the greatest moments in Oscar history was when fucking Jimmy Kimmel brought the busload of people in. Oh, I love oh, that. That was that was the great. Best. That was it just that was, like. It so effortlessly took the fucking wind out of the whole goddamn thing. Well, that's hilarious, is it? Because we're talking about how going back to even when you were a kid, you just liked movie stars and you liked yeah. the pageantry yeah. and the pomp and that. But I, all yeah. it took was these people with cameras and this like, just like lady oh. wanted to take selfies with Denzel. Like that, that just made the whole thing worth it. Well, it forced them, the celebrity culture, to play along with something that half of them won't even do on the street. <laughs> the Oscar compilation episode will drop in the free feed tomorrow. And to subscribe to the full Marin, go to the link in the episode description or go to WTFpod.com and click on WTF plus next week. We've got O'Shea Jackson jr. On Monday to talk about being the son of O'Shea Jackson senior, also known as ice cube. And on Tuesday, as I mentioned earlier, director Jason Wolner, director of Paul T. Goldman on Peacock. So you might want to watch that. All right. Okay.